Okay, so I am with my good friend and former associate, Luke Wingo. Luke. What's going on? How you doing, man? Doing great. Can't, can't complain. So, it just, the one-year anniversary of our last lunch together just passed. Anybody watching this, bring them up to speed what you've been up to. Yeah, I'm actually pretty heartbroken about that. Uh, I was at Al's Wings, so I'm like, man, I really miss those wings. Um, yeah, we, uh, my wife and I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. Um, she's working as a veterinarian still. I started at uh, Morgan & Morgan in early August of 2019. Been doing employment litigation since then. Having a good time. And look, that's plaintiffs or defense? Uh, it's plaintiffs work. So we get a bunch of intakes and we screen them and we try to figure out what case will be best for us because we primarily operate in federal court. Um, and facts matter more than more in federal court than anything else because majority of these cases are disposed of at the summary judgment phase, about 80% of them in favor of the defendant. So you have to have a really, really strong case to survive. And is this like wrongful termination? Is this, well, give me an example of a optimal fact set. I'm glad you asked me that because I took some notes about a case that we actually worked on. Um, you're, you're absolutely correct on it. It's wrongful termination, discrimination, sexual harassment, um, race, gender, it can be all these types of things. Whistleblowers is a very broad law um, and a bunch of different federal laws that apply to employment um, litigation. Uh, you may have heard it. You probably didn't, but you definitely have heard of Martina McBride. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah, country western singer. Um, this case really doesn't involve much of her, but it involves her husband, and it involves um, Blackbird Studios, which is um, a pretty prominent um, studio here in Nashville. Um, so Mr. McBride operating a studio, um, but he definitely wasn't paying his uh, studio workers overtime. So our guy, our plaintiff, um, Mr. Hansen, he actually filed a He said, I'm gonna file a complaint with the Department of Labor. You're not paying these people, right? And you're not treating the interns correctly. Three days later, he's fired. Oh man. Yeah, so he's terminated. He's been an employee, an employee for about seven years without any type of written reprimand. Um, the right, they, they came up with a bunch of lieu of excuses of why they fired him. Oh, you know, he was a chronic complainer. You know, the writing was on the wall. We already had his replacement. Um, just a bunch of things that, you know, the court didn't buy at summary judgment. So I went to trial. Like, all right, cool. In a lot of these cases, once you survive summary judgment, you're going to cut ties and just pay the man. Um, Mr. McBride, stubborn, did not want to pay the man. And then he got hit with a six-figure um, verdict at trial. And, you know, we're still in the process of finishing that case up, you know, doing fees. That's and stuff awesome. Like that. So. That's fantastic. Congratulations, man. That's amazing. I did very little with this. I, I, I helped with the dispositive and I was at the depositions. I did very little. I got in the tail end of it, but I do kind of put the feather in my hat as well. You know, cause I did yeah, man. very little, very little. And Luke, am I right? Most of this is going to be in federal court, not state court. Oh, uh, the way we operate. Yes. Um, cause usually you, there's going to be some state, um, court that was, or state um, law that was violated and you can just lump it in with jurisdiction and in federal court, typically a little friendlier, a little longer um, to get your case resolved. But at the end of the day, it's going to be more efficient than state court because a lot of these claims are very complex. That not saying our, you know, our circuit courts can't handle it, but federal court's probably the best venue. And I'm not trying to get into all the business points of it, but if someone's fired and they hire you guys, I'm assuming it's contingency? 
100% contingency. Um, we don't operate at all in, like for retainers. Um, you don't have to pay anything up front. Everything is you know, going to be up front um, you know, by the firm. And we would just, if you get paid, we get paid type situation. If you don't get paid, we don't get paid. So um, even more incentive for us to you know, fight for you. And you know, uh, Morgan & Morgan, you've definitely seen their buses. You've seen their ads. They're for the people. Um, I thought it was corny at first. I'm not one. I'm, I'm not one person to you know drink the Kool Aid by any means, but they really are. I work with a great group of attorneys, great group of staff, and they really are trying to help out as many people as possible. That's awesome, man. No, I see ads for them, and then I know a lot of the attorneys have been on these free webinars that attorneys have been um, taking while everything's yeah. shut down. So that's awesome, man. Um, real quickly before I forget, after you left the entire firm now is like friends with the owner of Al. It's, it's crazy, man. This guy, he's awesome. So uh, you missed out that part. And we even got some quarantine wings and pizza. It was pretty amazing. I'm very jealous. Good place to eat, especially. I mean, I miss a lot of good, a lot of the food there. Um, Nashville's, um, you know, we got a lot of really, really good food here. But, you know, getting hit with COVID-19 right after that tornado, a lot of things have been kind of different um, here for at least the past three months or so. Am I right? That tornado coming, this tornado, how long ago was that? The tornado was almost two weeks before like COVID-19 lockdown. So and you, sir, live, you were like close to that. Am I right? Yeah. I live in East Nashville um, and it came through Germantown in East Nashville area and it's kind of the straight line across uh, downtown. And I was about a mile from my house. Um, very fortunate. Nothing happened. I mean, not even a missing shingle, but you know, go a mile down the road. Yeah a lot of the bars that I go to, a lot of the restaurants we go to, you know, just completely destroyed. So they got hit with that. And then, you know, two weeks later, you know, governor's saying, all right, guys, you can't operate anything now. So it's kind of been an interesting way to move and deal with that. So. Uh, really quickly behind your left shoulder, there's a half a canoe. Am I right about that? Yes, there is a half a canoe. And it's a bookshelf, right? Yeah, it's a bookshelf. The other house over in another corner, um, just knickknacks in here and there. The reason I recognize that is we had a client come to Luke's house. We lived in a broad ripple. And I remember like, what the hell is that? And it's a canoe, half canoe. And um, yeah, it was great for the client. Saved us a bunch of driving. Yeah, I was trying to save him some time. Uh, I was like, yeah, my house is fine. You're going to have a couple cops there. Uh, my wife wasn't very happy about that. <laughs> She's like, you're letting these criminals in her house. I'm like, hey, this could happen to anyone. He's not a criminal. One, he's innocent. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's how, that's how far the associates of Mark Lopez Law Firm will go. If we have to, we'll do anything. Okay, Luke. Come to the house. You had your two-year wedding anniversary during quarantine, am I right? Yeah, we did. What'd um, you guys, how'd you guys celebrate your two years? Um, <laughs> it was difficult. I had, you know, really nice uh, reservations at a steakhouse. And then, like, two weeks prior, I was like, all right, guys. We're not doing reservations. We're not doing in-house dining. Uh, so for our honeymoon, we went to Thailand. Um, really not that many good restaurants doing takeout um, for Thai food. So one of our favorite restaurants is Korean. So kind of similar, not really. Um, and then there's this like <laughs> tiki bar called Chopper in East Nashville that's doing like to-go drinks, um, like Mai Tais and kind of like tropical drinks. And so I got a couple of those and like they're doing them like in like growler bottles and stuff like that and i kind of recreated our honeymoon um doing like thai food or asian food and you know tropical drinks and trying to make it as like close as possible to make her feel like she's in thailand but uh That's awesome you know. dude 
difficult. Well, Luke, you've always impressed me how far you went out of your way to try to make Casey happy, and that's awesome, man. Always do my best, you know. Okay, so going from criminal defense to plaintiff's employment law, give us some big takeaways. What's the biggest, what's the biggest difference? Um, biggest difference, um, you're not in court. Like um, when you're a criminal defense attorney, you're in court every day a week, um, hopefully one county. Um, if you can do the scheduling right, hopefully one to two counties. Um, you're not in court as often because again, litigation can take between 18 and 24 months. Um, and it's all about writing. It's, it's really heavily like, you know, writing. I'm, I can, I'll be the first one to admit, I'm not the best writer in the world. Um, I've been fortunate enough to have a supervising attorney that is an excellent writer. And I've, you know, in about eight or nine months, I've improved my writing exponentially. So it's a lot of writing. Um, facts matter more, like the minutia of facts matter more um, in, in these types of cases, I think, because a lot of criminal cases can get blended together. You can kind of hear the same fact patterns over and over again, especially with the cops doing the same things over and over again. Um, so you, have, you get a little bit more variety, but the biggest thing is just, you know, a little, a lot more drafting involved. Um, it's still fun though. I mean, you know, you get to help people out, which is at the end of the day, I think most people become attorneys to help people out. Um, and so it's, that's, you know, one of the better takeaways from it. That's awesome, man. So one of the things that Luke was exceptional at, a lot of things he was exceptional at, one of the big things was able to connect to clients and talk to people. And um, just watching him grow, you know, for the 18 months he was here, have those soft skills helped you out with everything too? Um, actually, that's probably the one thing I would complain most about. I don't get that, you know, that client interaction anymore because like, like you, like I said, a lot of these cases are, you know, stretched out and like, Hey, like if we're not giving you any information, that's a good thing. Like, I mean, still sitting in court or we're doing, we're doing depositions, we're in negotiations to try to settle this claim. Um, so you don't get that. I mean, with working for you, like, you want to talk to your clients at least once a month, um, two months, that would be stretching it. If you talk to them, like two months, you want to talk to them at least once a month and, and at least like, Hey, there is no updates. I'm sorry. I wish there was an update. At least you get to talk to somebody and you know, Hey, we know your case is still here. It's not somewhere, you know, in the back corner collecting dust. Um, so that was actually, I, I, I don't get to use those soft skills as much. I get to use it a little bit on intakes, but, um, primarily, you know, it's not as, you know, engaging with the client until you're kind of towards the end of litigation. So like the last six, probably five or six months is when, you know, all right, cool. Let's set up a time to, you know, try to get this thing settled. Um, we can't do that. All right, well, let's, let's just go, go to trial. And then, so you don't get as much as that. So yeah, it's, you know, apples and oranges in that regard. Yeah. It's different practices though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. It's something you adapt to. Well, that's amazing. I never even had a single employment case ever. So you already have skill sets that are beyond me. So that's amazing, dude. Yeah, it's, um, it's easy to pick up on. It's, it's hard to get good at it. I mean, it's, it's really easy. I mean, we average, our, our, our firm advertises really well. I mean, like I, I, I'm almost, I'm walking to my car. I almost get hit by a bus. My boss's face is on it. Um, so, I mean, we get a lot of calls. We get a lot of intakes. We're like, Hey guys, like, and a lot of people think they've been wrongfully terminated. Um, and I've kind of already come up with this thing. It's like, you've probably been unfairly terminated, 
but it's not unlawful. Um, and that's the biggest thing. A lot of people say that, oh, I was wrongfully terminated. I'm like, you really weren't. I mean, it's definitely unfair, but you got to figure out like, hey, what kind of law does this fall under? And then will it survive summary judgment? It's the biggest thing because if we put a bunch of money in these cases and we, you know, we do depositions and like, there's no way it survives, like we're out, you know, thousands of dollars. What are the top three reasons people are, are wrongfully terminated? Not necessarily unfairly, but the one things that you're seeing um, a lot of like sexual harassment complaints, like, you know, Hey, they complain to their boss, like, Hey, this person's being inappropriate. And then as the victim, they're like, all right, well, we're going to suspend you and then, and then try to figure out the case. We're going to fire you, um, and not fire the other person because they've been here longer. Um, that kind of stuff. Once you complain about that is there's no reason for you to ever terminate the, the, the person that was coming to you and like, Hey, like, you know, I mean, they could be lying. I mean, you can, you can go to that aspect of things, but like you should always err on the side of better judgment. Um, it's easier to fire both of those employees than fire just one of them. Um, but I wouldn't advise that either, but none of this is legal advice, but. Uh, We're just uh, talking, man. Just talking. <laughs> just, just chatting. So sexual um, harassment stuff. What's another one? Uh, sexual harassment. We see um, a lot of stuff with um, the Family Medical Leave Act, FMLA. Um, this is when it comes to the unfair things. It's not unlawful. You will see people, you get 12 weeks um, per year. Um, you can break it up in pieces. You can take an entire uh, stint. And the FMLA is just like an ability to, hey, I'm sick or I have my family member that's really sick and I need to take off an extended period of time. You have to hold my position or an equal position, reserve it for me while it's there. Uh, while I'm on FMLA, we see a lot of people not getting briefed on it properly and they extend that past that 12 weeks. They're like, oh, well, my doctor says I'm not ready to go back. I need longer. You get that 12 weeks and you're done. And sorry, it's, it's unfair, but it's not unlawful. And how many employees does an employer have to have to qualify for the FMLA? To fall under the FMLA, you have to have 50 employees. So sexual harassment, FMLA, what's the third one you're um, seeing? Third one, let's see here. Um, I am putting him on the spot. I didn't send him any questions. I literally. No, no, I'm trying hey, to Luke, let's do an interview. Uh, you'll see stuff with, um, I'm trying to think. Age discrimination has been coming up a good bit lately. Um, and this kind of border is unlawful and unfair again. Um, you, you see a guy that was hired in like early 2000s, he's coming towards the twilight of his career. Um, it's a lot in sales for some reason. And I, and I'm thinking it's just the way sales works. You get into your like mid fifties, early sixties, they kind of want you to retire because at that point you're bringing in like a $180,000 salary and you're like, we can hire two guys straight out of college, pay them 70 each and be saving money and have just as much or a higher production of, um, like sales. So I see a lot of that and like a lot of people thinking like, Hey, like they're, they're replacing me with younger guys. And I'm like, yeah, in that you're not, you're not supposed to do that. And it's probably because you're getting towards your, you know, your twilight age, but they want to save money. And if they come up with the excuse, like, yeah, we reduction of force, we're just trying to save money here. Um, we can hire someone with less experience and pay them less and have the same productivity. Um, we see some of that, but those cases are pretty difficult as well. Are you guys seeing any kind of uptick in any type particular case? with uh, all these layoffs, unemployments, and everything like that? Yeah, and that's the big, <laughs> it's a big, big confusion going on right now, especially I've only been practicing 
this type of law for about nine months, 10 months. And so for me, I'm not well-versed in it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm getting, you know, pretty well-versed in it, but, uh, the EEOC came out the other day. This is how we need to handle these COVID-19 cases. Um, if you're, if you're an employer and then they immediately deleted it, <laughs> the EEOC, the equal employment opportunity commission literally said, this is what we need to do for these COVID cases. And then like, Oh crap there's some, you know, ambiguity there. There's some, you know, vagueness, like maybe this is not what we do. And they just deleted it off from their, their website. So the, the, the people that run it, the administrative side, because you have to go to the EEOC for some of these cases, you have to exhaust your administrative um, remedies prior to even going into federal court. So, and that's not all the cases are not, you know, go to EEOC, but like that's a good chunk of our cases. They do have to go there first at step one. And they don't know what's going on with COVID-19. So now you have all these attorneys and like we have you know, several, probably like 100 attorneys, maybe less than 100 attorneys in the employment group, probably less than 100. Uh, and we're trying to all figure out how do we, you know, not exploit these cases, but how do we figure out and help out people that probably have gotten, you know, terminated because of COVID-19. Um, and a lot of things, is, it's a reduction of force. The economy's, you know, hit hard. Um, you want to make the plaintiff and, and the, the individual okay, but you have to understand these are companies trying to support employees. Yeah. Um, they're, they're paying people salaries and they get that, but they also have to be like, Hey, like it's going to be either all of us or some of us. Um, and it's, it's been very interesting. Um, short of saying I'm firing you right now because of your COVID-19 diagnoses and we can't accommodate you because you have these other ailments short of that it's very difficult to have one of these cases and it's, it should be interesting to see within the next 18 months of how these cases get filed um do they go full litigation do they settle um I, it's it's really a really good question and a really big question mark in this type of field right now yeah i'd be super concerned if i was an older worker in industry where there is a pattern of replacing them with younger people because what a great time oh it's covid we have slowed down we got to get rid of these high and you know that sounds like it might be unfair but it'd be easy to mask a little bit of age discrimination in there. And then um, um, I think the, that is this COVID-19 thing is, you know, a huge, like, I think it'd be very injustice when it comes to um, how a lot of employers who would, you know, be inclined to be racially discriminative or sexually harass somebody or do something inappropriate um, against federal law. And they're just like, nah, 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 COVID-19, we, we, we fired him because we had a reduction of force and we couldn't afford them. And I, I and like, what are you going to say? You're like, all right, well, we're going to combat this. No, that is not how that happened. Like they fired him because of X, Y, Z, not because of COVID-19. Um, and that's something that we're coming, we're, we're getting kind of some cases like that, um, that are kind of pretextual in that, in that, in that matter. But again, until we file a lawsuit in federal court and figure it out down the road, We'll see how strong these cases are. Luke, am I, I'm right. Morgan & Morgan is a national law firm, correct? Um, yeah, I would say national. We're in, I should probably know this off the top of my head, another question that I was not prepared for. We're in a lot of states. <laughs> if somebody um, had a question in Indiana, could they give you a call? You get them to the right person? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I believe we have, we don't have an office in Indiana, but we have an office in Kentucky um, that operate and they have, attorneys that are licensed in Indiana. I'm licensed in Indiana. Um, so if yeah. me, I can uh, do stuff. Um, we're Give us the best way to contact you. What's your best phone number? What's your best email? Uh, best email. Again, putting me on my spot. Like, I don't email myself. All right. 
Uh, yeah, a little brand awareness like you, Morgan and Morgan. Um, best email is uh, Luke, Luke Wingo at ForThePeople.com. That's L-U-K-E, Wingo, W-I-N-G-O, at ForThePeople.com. And that's probably the best contact information. Um, and the thing is, if you contact me via email and you're from Indiana um, or one of the surrounding states, I can put you in contact with the right people. Um, again, we never know what's going to happen um, with your type of case. We can put you in the intake system and hopefully you have something. But again, we never know. So. Consults are always free. Am I right about that? Consults are always free. To, and you can call as many times as you want. Um, you might get the same answer several times. Like, nope. <laughs> can't take your case. You don't have a case here. Um, and the thing is, um, Morgan, Morgan, they're, uh, they don't just practice in employment law. They do uh, personal injury law. I mean, that's what they're primarily, you know, mass torts. They do that. Um, they have medical mal, they had um, first party insurance defense. So a lot of people that were affected in Nashville and the surrounding areas in regards to the tornado, if their insurance companies aren't paying out what they should be, pay them out. Um, otherwise you can get an attorney with Morgan and Morgan and they can pay you out. Um, Make so them insurance companies pay, man. They love collecting those premiums. They hate paying it out. It drives it, me crazy. It's, it is crazy. And like a lot, of, a lot of these business interruption things, it's like, Hey, my, my business was interrupted. I have a good plan with, for insurance and they're like, we're not going to pay you. And they do pay you out. Guess what? They're going to cancel you or heighten, heighten your premiums for the next oh, yeah. six years. So it's like, why do we have insurance? <laughs> Dude, Thanks so much for hanging out with me this morning, Luke. You have a great day, okay? Hey, Mark, I always appreciate any time. You have a good one, okay? Tell everyone I said hi.